This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. On July 26, 1990, the White House signed into law the Americans with Disabilities Act, a decision to make sure that those people battling disabilities would have equal access to many things in our society. The law has done great things in many areas, but the claim by some people is that there is still a lot of work that needs to be done to truly have a level playing field. Joining us to take a look at how things have changed in those 25 years, we are joined by Lex Frieden, who is a professor at the University of Texas Health Science Center and one of the architects of the ADA. We're also joined here in studio by Wharton Assistant Management Professor Adam Cobb and as well Leonard Davis, who is a distinguished professor at the University of Illinois and has a new book about this topic called Enabling Acts, the hidden story of how the Americans with Disabilities Act gave the largest U.S. minority its rights. Adam, great to see you again. Thanks for coming back in. It's a pleasure to be here. Lex, Leonard, great to have you on the phone with us today. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you very much. Lex, I'll start with you. Has... Has what you were involved with 25 years ago, the ADA, has it lived up to your expectations to this point? In some respects, Dan, it's exceeded my expectations. There have been a uh, sea change of, of important, very important improvements in, the, in uh, the environment, in the attitudes of the public toward people with disabilities, and frankly, in opportunities for people with disabilities since the ADA was signed. What has been the the most important aspect, you think, uh, of the whole process that you've seen over the last 25 years? Well, clearly the improvements in public accommodations. uh, People with disabilities before the ADA was signed had difficulty getting into restaurants, theaters, places of businesses, even schools. And since the ADA was signed, uh, most of those barriers have disappeared and they continue to uh, to do so. We we really aren't frustrated the same as we were before the ADA by those physical environmental barriers. When you see those, when you see some of the articles that are out there that, that I had a chance to read that talk about how there is so much more work that needs to be done, what do you think they're really really looking at? Where do they where do they see some of the aspects that still need to be improved? Well, clearly the area of employment is is, is a major factor, and people with disabilities are looking for work, people who are skilled, trained, ready to work, and they simply can't get in the door to begin with. That's a problem. ADA wasn't intended to be an affirmative action law, so I'm not surprised that that companies haven't been as aggressive as they have been, but I am surprised that people with disabilities still face what may be a kind of subvert discrimination. Leonard, has the ADA lived up to your expectations? Um, Well, yes, I think I agree with Lex. And by the way, hello, Lex. Um, And uh, I I think that there are um, many areas, as Lex said, uh, public accommodations, transportation has definitely improved, telecommunications for for deaf people, uh, and captioning, closed captioning on television. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's a different world. But I agree with Lex that the, the biggest area of the problem is unemployment, uh, there's an 80% rate, 75 to 80% rate of, uh, of people with disabilities who are not at work. And that's rather shocking and 
really needs to be addressed. Um, the other area, which is uh, in terms of public accommodations, that's interesting is is a, a change that's happened since the ADA, which is the development of the Internet. And, you know, the, the old goal used to be to open up all the doors on Main Street. But now many people, the, the new commons is, or the new Main Street is the Internet. And it is relatively inaccessible, virtually inaccessible, for blind people, for deaf people, for people with learning disabilities of various kinds. And uh, it, it should be a relatively simple fix, but that hasn't been taken care of yet. Adam, obviously, from a management perspective, just some of the things that that Lex and Leonard mentioned, uh, these are are, are topics that uh, probably are somewhat surprising uh, from the management perspective that they haven't been addressed, but hopefully they will be over the next several years. I mean, definitely, I think everything that's been said so far is sort of my my take, and obviously we have two experts on the phone that that know quite a bit about the the ins and outs of of the... laws and regulations but in, in terms of employment you you know post ADA you really didn't see uh, much change in the percentage of people with disabilities being hired uh, in fact I think and you know part of the reason for the 2000 in 2008 we kind of updated the ADA sort of passed some new legislation it was almost impossible to win uh, a court case and in, on the employment side uh, I think something like 90 percent of uh, court cases, uh, were you know the the um, accusing party was was sort of found to either like what, whatever issue they had was either seen as well you're no longer qu- like you, because you have this issue you're not qualified for the job or the issue that you're saying you have doesn't sort of fall within protection of the ADA and so I think there have been some attempts to clarify the law to sort of try. Uh, to make this a little bit easier on the employment side for people to get jobs. But we still see this the numbers aren't really changing in terms of the percentage of people with disabilities. The unemployment numbers are still as high as they've ever been, really. Lex, over the years, though, is there a way to estimate how many people uh, the Americans with Disability Act have actually helped? I mean, it's obviously well into the millions. Sure. I mean, today it helps 53 million people with disabilities. And not only that, Dan, but it's helping their families who are assisting them. It's helping people without disabilities who take uh, advantage of of some of the improvements that have been made in the infrastructure uh, purposely to support people with disabilities. But on the the other hand, it it helps everybody. We'd like to get your your comments as well uh, from our listeners out there. The number to give us a call is 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866, because I'm sure there are several people out there that probably have seen the effect of having the uh, the ADA really in their lives on a daily basis. So please give us a call, 844-942-7866 is the number to do, uh, to do so. Uh, and Lex, uh, as a little bit of background, uh, I spent 13 years working in professional baseball, so I've seen this firsthand just when you talk about stadiums, venues like stadiums across the country, which have really changed how they operate on a daily basis because of having... Uh, the ability to have areas for wheelchairs or have the elevators that allow access—it's it, it's been it's been a real uh, opening for a lot of people. Well, and not only that, but Dan, I think your experience suggests that 
that you've seen a, a larger population, a broader population of the public participating in that kind of activity, and furthermore, the improvements that have been made benefit everybody. Let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, most stadia now have uh, signs in the outfield where the uh, speaker, the, the public address announcements, are made not only orally yeah. over, the, uh, over the system, but they're also made in print. And that, you know, a lot of people who never thought they were deaf or claimed to be hearing impaired pay more attention to the signage than they do the public address announcements. And that's something that actually I noticed here in Philadelphia going to the Major League Baseball games here probably about two, maybe three years ago. It's something that it started there. So that, I guess, falls into this category of pieces to this that maybe some people didn't think about that continue to kind of evolve as we go through time. And another example are the uh, the ramps on the public transit buses. Um, many people, again, who never thought of themselves as having a disability but who have mobility problems, maybe because they're aging or because they've had some kind of an accident, they don't regard themselves as having a disability, but they darn sure use those ramps getting on and off the bus. And, Adam, this is something that obviously, all, from the business perspective, this has had a very much of an important impact on just business in general. We talked about how you know the unemployment rate is still high amongst people mm-hmm. that, that uh, have disabilities, but still all of the millions of people that do have jobs or go to college now because they have this access. Oh, yeah. And, and one thing, you know, when I, uh, talking about sort of the rates not changing is uh, and we tend to focus on on the rates. We have less information, maybe, on the quality of those jobs. So, if the even if maybe the the, the same percentage of people, uh, you know, d- disabled people have jobs as, as had pre ADA, their experience on that job is undoubtedly better. It's easier to get yeah. in the building. More likely to probably be able to get a promotion. Their their pay is probably more on par with what their colleagues is. And and as and as a result, it also has these positive benefits for everyone else that, that, that was mentioned. So this makes it easier for people who are older to maintain uh, a job, sure. uh, right? It, it makes it easier for people who are just injured, obviously, sort of, you know, for, for whatever reason. Uh, but it also sensitizes people to the fact that this is an untapped pool of, of like labor market pool that if a firm kind of does things the right way, uh, can actually tap into and, pret- and potentially get a lot of value out of. Uh, and over time, we have an aging population. We've had you know big spikes and uh, you know the number of young people who have things like attention deficit disorder mm-hmm. and, and, and autism. Uh, this is going to be a problem that's going to continue to manifest. And so having these accommodations in place now, it's probably going to benefit firms over the next 25, 30 years. The ones who are figuring it out today or have already figured it out, they're going to benefit from it. And they're going to come up with better products, better mm-hmm. solutions, better employment uh, sort of accommodations. We're talking about the 25th anniversary of the Americans with Disability Act with uh, Lex Frieden, uh, professor at the University of Texas Health Science Center, Adam Cobb, Wharton Assistant Management Professor, and also uh, Leonard Davis, who is a distinguished professor at the University of Illinois and uh, has a book out now enabling acts and Leonard uh, off of your book uh, what is really uh, the most important uh, thing that we need to do going forward to really even take this uh, even farther than we've gone over the last 25 years well 
there are a number of things, and I, I think uh, some of uh, the other folks on the show have pointed them out. I think one really important thing that Lex brought up is the is the more subtle uh, areas. Um, uh, and, by, and by the way, I, I do want to say that the job situation that we talked about is, is, is unique to the United States. And the reason for that, if you look at Japan, for example, or uh, two-thirds of the European countries, they have a much, much lower rate of uh, unemployment, something closer to that 8%, as opposed to our 80%. Mm-hmm. And it's not a mystery why. They have uh, rules and regulations that say that businesses, it's more of an affirmative action thing, that businesses that have over a certain number of employees have to employ, I think it's 12% of their workforce be people with disabilities, and there's a wide variety of disabilities. So... Um, so it's not a mystery. We just have to move in that direction. Um, but it's also the more subtle element. So let's say a person goes for a job interview and they're completely qualified, and uh, but they, they they have some disability, and there's three or four other candidates. You know, there's there's a subtle distinction there that a, an employer might make and say yeah. unconsciously or maybe consciously, there's going to be a little bit more trouble having this person. We'll just choose the other person. And it's very, very hard to prove that as a case of discrimination. Mm-hmm. This uh, is uh, another, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead, Leonard. Yeah, there's another issue, which is that, at, you know, we're saying that uh, 20%, 15, you know, 18% of the population are people with disabilities. It's not exactly an us-them situation. I mean, it's probably true that most people are going to be disabled or temporarily disabled at some point in their lives. And 56% of people over 65 are disabled. So we have to have a better uh, societal sense of of um, of what disability is, it's not this. And, and I think one of the ways we need to do this, I'll, I'll just cut this short, is that we need better images in television and movies mm-hmm. about people with disabilities, and those roles need to be played by disabled actors. Where, uh, but th- then Leonard, then if we're going to get to that point, and obviously the media is, is a big part of this, uh, if you can have the, those perceptions change a little bit. Uh, also, uh, uh, several articles have written about how Congress needs to really uh, step this up even a little bit more because of the fact that some of the funding in some of the areas for these programs has been lacking. And in fact, President Obama, I guess, had mentioned in the past that uh, he doesn't know if funding will be able to return to the levels that we've seen over the past years. Yeah, I think that's a big danger. Um, you know, these a lot of these programs that help uh, people with disabilities uh, provide benefits and services, you know, are under the gun. And actually, Rand Paul uh, has already, you know, fired the opening salvo. And, and I think we're going to see in this election cycle uh, pointing fingers at people with disabilities and saying they're frauds. I mean, Rand Paul said something like 50% of the people who are receiving benefits are essentially faking it. And um, we're going to see the rebirth of the welfare queen in the form of the disability queen. I think that's very important that we understand that the fraud rates uh, for uh, disability benefits are under 1%, uh, which is pretty good for any government program. But they're going to be exaggerated. And I think we do have to fear uh, using people with disabilities as the scapegoat for an economy that's, that's contracting. Actually, it's not contracting anymore, but... That you, was the argument. Do you see some uh, some of this uh, type of discriminating against uh, people with disabilities in, in your uh, in your everyday life, Leonard? Um, yes, I do. Yeah. And um, you know, I'm on Facebook, and I have lots of friends and colleagues with disabilities. And every single day, and Lex could really talk more about this, but every single day, somebody finds something on the airplanes, trying to get on a plane, trying to get on a bus, trying to apply for jobs. 
You know, and then there's, I said, the more subtle ones, like, no, who's looking at a dating website? You know, I mean, do people with disabilities, should they list their disability on a dating website? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, that kind of thing. We, we talk about jobs and civil rights. Well, the right to be married, the right to have a, 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 a life like other people is a real right. And that is being subtly and not so subtly denied. Lex? Well, I, uh, thanks, Dan. I think the uh, you know the issues I'm more concerned about at this point are the ones that lie ahead, the ones we haven't even discovered. There are 76 million people who were born between 1946 and 1964, the baby boom generation. We're just beginning to retire. As we get older, um, we will become disabled, and this is a whole additional population of people who will have demands on our economy, on our society, on our infrastructure, on the environment, and we really need to prepare for that population. In terms of the economy, let me just say that first, when these people begin to retire, obviously people are going to need to replace them, so that may open opportunities for people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. Furthermore, however, most of those people who are retiring and becoming disabled want to age in place. They want to stay in the community. They don't want to live in nursing homes or facilities. And we need to prepare now to provide assistance to them in the home, which, by the way, can be much more cost-effective than trying to uh, subsidize their stay in nursing homes and facilities. We are uh, Again, we are talking with Lex Frieden of the University of Texas Health Science Center, professor there, also a distinguished professor at the University of Illinois, Leonard Davis, and Wharton Assistant Management Professor uh, Adam Cobb. Uh, we're talking about the 25th anniversary of the Americans with Disability Act. If you would like to add in a comment, uh, you're more than welcome. The number to give us a call is 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Lex, from from what was done twenty five years ago into where we are now, uh, are there are there aspects of the actual law itself that you would like to see updated, tweaked, you know, whatever the term you would like to use is? Well, actually, I think Leonard mentioned the two thousand eight amendments to the Americans with Disabilities Act. Yeah. That particular set of amendments did the updating that was really needed and uh, I think moving forward uh, we can benefit from that. I, the law is a very good clear piece of legislation but frankly so was the Civil Rights Act of 1964 yeah. and yesterday, we, uh, last year, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of that act and there are still things to be done to remove disparities between uh, people of color and, and the the other population, and the same thing can be said of um, uh, gender and and uh, sexual preference and so on. We have uh, many disparities in this country that need to be cons concerning public policymakers, uh, community officials, and others, so that we can get to a balance where everybody can contribute. I mean, that's the key. I think is to give people who who want to be a part of the mainstream and to contribute to the collective benefits of our society, you want to give them the opportunity to do that. Removing barriers for people with disabilities is clearly an important step in doing so. We need to continue to identify those barriers and to, to get rid of them. If they're attitudinal, we can deal, you know, we have strategies to deal with that. We just need to employ those strategies more effectively. But as a, as a developing society, can we eliminate absolutely every one of those last barriers or you know it's a process where as as we develop and you know more now in the digital age the last you know 20 years or so 
there are certain aspects probably of everyday life because of the digital age that have changed quite a bit that probably you know are in the process of being updated with the with the ADA as well right now. Absolutely, that's true. And you know, the other thing to consider about that are the improvements that we make in technology, the benefits yeah. that we have now will accrue to the population of people with disabilities because of the new technologies. Many people with disabilities who might not have been able to to work productively are able to use that technology to do productive work. Um, with the employment uh, uh, framework is changing. Many companies employ people working at home in distant places. Universities now are changing their curricula so that yeah. people don't have to sit in the classroom. All of these kinds of, of changes that could be barriers to people with disabilities actually need to be used as uh, the, the, the way to get around barriers. So we, as we develop, we need to be considerate of this population at the same time understand that if we develop properly, this will really help to eliminate barriers. And obviously, Adam, that's something that a lot of businesses really have to take a heart at, at uh, take too hard, I should say, on a daily basis. That that you know, if there are, in some respects, probably some companies don't think about it enough, then then they probably should. I think that's definitely true. And we, you know, there's even been in the last few months, last year or so, you know. Uh, Uber has become a really big deal. There was a court sure, case yeah. about should Uber be, you know, like should they be more accommodating uh, of people with disabilities? And so, I mean, as the world changes, there, you know, these laws and regulations and how we think about them or how we think about, um, you know, customers, potential employees, they have to evolve too. Um, the interesting thing is, is, is what, as Lex mentioned, is some of the things that we're coming up with, some of these technologies can actually be enabling devices. They can yep. be things that allow people more access, different people access uh, than we've had. And if, you, if, if you're a business, you know, if you're a firm in these kinds of businesses, and you start thinking about these different populations, what you can probably come up with are ways to serve that population that actually benefit a broader population too. Yeah. So in the process of coming up with some solution to a problem that maybe seems like it's going to be more directed towards uh, people with disabilities, then you realize, well, wait a minute, this is actually great for older people. Or, yeah. oh, you know, wait, this is great for mobile workers are great yeah. this is you know this is really good for you know young children or whatever that you know whatever that population is and so it's it's sort of thinking more creatively about how solutions can be applied uh, to a broader set of a, a broader set of people than 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 maybe like the classic consumer sure. that we visualize in our minds. And, and Leonard, I, I think you were the one that mentioned about how the the the, the numbers of, of older adults that actually are qualify as disabled right now is growing. And this is something we talk about speaking about expanding it beyond just the the, the topic we're talking about. We're, we're getting to a point where we're seeing more and more people from that baby boomer generation that are heading into retirement. More and more people that are are in that age demographic, so it becomes even more important to have this type of thought process really brought to the forefront. Absolutely. Um, I'm in that, in that baby boomer generation, and uh, so many of my friends and colleagues are at the point where they're having hip replacements, knee replacements. It's just no one thinks of that in a weird way as a disability, and I think the important part is to think of uh, human life as containing great diversity, 
mm-hmm. physical diversity, neurological diversity, emotional diversity. And so uh, while it's really important to, to understand that there is disability, it's also important to understand that that's just part of what life is. And, and I think from my, my perspective, um, the more we can embrace that idea, the less it becomes, less those subtle forms of discrimination uh, will have a chance to thrive. Um, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866 is the number to, to give us a call. Lex, I'll let you finish up by, by really just playing off of, of what we were just asking uh, of Leonard about how important this is going to be going forward in the next few years. Well, it's, it's definitely important. If, if you have a, a need for one of those disabled parking spaces in front of the grocery store or the restaurant or whatever, uh, you will find today that those spots are typically filled, whereas years ago there were always vacant spots. That indicates to me that more and more people are uh, actually qualified to use those slots, there is a little abuse, but I think the, the bigger factor are the number of people who are retiring who are becoming mobility impaired, hearing impaired, yep. vision impaired, and who need those kinds of uh, accommodations. They're not expensive to make, but uh, we have to update all those standards according to this new population. The travel industry is already ahead of us in many respects. They see the future market. And I think that's the real challenge for businesses, to take a look at those markets, see how they can actually be on the forefront of encouraging those people to earn money um, and to spend money. And that will help us all. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.